Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Following program are pre-recorded. Talk of the town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270, I'm Steve Bogg, along with Tom Briggle, Bismarck Bobcats joining us. And uh, Tom... Boy, what a great weekend last weekend against Aberdeen. Uh, kind of a, a tale of two games. Uh, the first game, uh, a little bit of a scoring fest, 7-4. Uh, uh, second game, a little bit more of a defensive match. Walk us through uh, Friday night. Uh, uh, seven goals. Bobcats kind of were humming a little bit. Well, we were humming, although, you know, it's, uh, it's like our barn. It's hard to play in. And so the first period... We put up three goals and we led three to one, but then second period they tied it up at three. So it was kind of a back and forth affair, the momentum swinging, but, you know, we think we're the better team. And uh, over time, then it, it prevailed. And so, you know, we kind of took it to them in the third period and scored four. And I think, um, you know, over the weekend we had 12, we had 12 boys get points. That's a good thing because obviously everyone feels important, right? Well, it wasn't quite it, it wasn't quite the showing of the Minnesota Wild the other night, but uh, <laughs> that was one of the craziest hockey games I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but yeah. the Bobcats seven goals that that's a good night. Seven goals is a good night because <clears throat> goal scoring has been a little bit tricky for us, and so it felt good to kind of break that barrier. And then, you know, like you said, Friday was or excuse me, Saturday was a different game. Um, for sure. So Friday night, seven to four. Um, you know, you let the they tied it up three three. Um, you know, there's little little laps in defense. Uh, what what is that attributed to? Because that's the one. I mean, seeing somebody score four goals on uh, the netminders and in the defense back there that, that doesn't happen very often either. Well, uh, you know, like we've been talking and. You know, it's one thing to talk, but it's another thing to, to perform and act on it. And, like, we think our forwards are outstanding, and, and all four lines are scoring historically point scores, right? Well, in the uh, in the third period, I think the boys who just had nothing, they just were, they were moving the puck so well, like, really well. And uh, getting those open shots where you get a little, little motion and, that thing, you know, like we talked about, they learned to win different ways. There were dirty goals, like they're going to the net, and that makes a big difference too. So, you know, they just wanted it more on Friday, and uh, you know, the outcome was was awesome. Of course, uh, and it shut down their fans a little bit, and 
we hate that, right? <laughs> puck luck matters, doesn't it? And sometimes those dirty goals, and I have always said this, shoot the puck. Because 80, 85% of goals are scored off of rebounds, a uh, little traffic out front. Um, they're not always pretty, and nor should they be. Um, those dirty goals, they matter. Uh, they go up on the scoreboard, too. And sometimes um, those gritty goals, I like to call them gritty, not dirty, but gritty goals. Um, yeah. They, sometimes they spark a team a little bit. Oh, without a doubt, because, you know, you got a guy up there like, Take the pick, but Patty Johnson, he probably gets more gritty goals than anybody because he's like really a fire uh, hydrant, right? And he's really hard to move and he's not afraid to go into those places for sure. And so you get a tip or you, you know, you get a rebound, and uh, there was plenty of that going on. But honestly, I guess as I think back on Friday, most of them were skill goals, and that's those are the goals this team. Like, it's great to get the gritty goals. Like you said, you'll take it. Um, but they were moving the puck well, and they were they were hitting open nets, too. And that's how this team, in my opinion, is going to move forward because we're very, very skilled. Saturday night, entirely different game, 2-1, to one, uh, a little bit more of a defensive struggle. Uh, you know, the defense stepped up, but, um, again, the goal scoring wasn't there. And, and uh, you know, how do you... How do you explain that when you're looking at, uh, wow, you put up seven goals one night and only managed two the next night when you're the superior team? Yeah, they had, uh, you know, they swapped up goalies, and, and that can make a difference, right? Fire up a team a little bit. So their goalie was Kokendorfer, uh, Col- and we had Clayton Knapp in there. And this Kokendorfer, he's just a good, they're both, all four goalies on these teams are really good, but this Kokendorfer, he's like, I think he's like six five. He's a big boy, and so he moves pretty well. And you know, the boy certainly had chances, but he was up to the task. And so, um, you know, he played really well. And and it was it was just a gridlock kind of game. And you know, we were ahead one nothing. And you know, part of our goal, uh, nasty as hockey teams are, is part part of part of our uh, goal is to not allow them to throw the teddy bears. <laughs> it was teddy bear night, and I, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but when you're up one nothing, you know, we love charity as much as anyone, but you can take the bears without scoring. And so come the third period, they scored, of course, and the teddy bears flew, and, you know, that's all fine, particularly because at the end of the game we came out on top. But, you know, it's uh, it was a gritty game, Uh I mean, Aberdeen's a tough team and a good team. Um, we think we're the better team, but we've got six more games against them. You know, they're on our heels, so we just need to keep uh, finding ways to win differently. Like, you know, Lane always says we are definitely finding ways to win. But we got another four points. They did get a point, but we got four. It makes a big difference. Well, you've got uh, Aberdeen coming to our barn tonight and tomorrow night. We'll talk about that when we come back from the break. We're talking to Tom Briggle, owner of the Bismarck Bobcats. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Vendee. 
Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Doc 1270, you're tuned to Talk of the Town. I'm Steve Bach, along with Tom Briggle, owner of the Bismarck Bobcats. And uh, the Bobcats, after a 7-4 win on last Friday night and a 2-1 win last Saturday night uh, down in Aberdeen, now they're coming here. Uh, of course, uh, Super Doc 1270, the home of the Bismarck Bobcats. You can catch every game home and away right here on Super Talk 1270. And uh, now they're coming to our barn. And I know Aberdeen's a little bit uh, difficult place to play. Uh, great weekend. Uh, you picked up all the points. Now they're coming here. Like you said, uh, we've got them, what, six more times this year. So Aberdeen's going to go a long way determining uh, how the, the conference breaks out. But uh, coming up tonight in our barn, it's going to be a, a pretty good game. What are you expecting from uh, Aberdeen after they just got swept down in their rink? Of course, the, the onus on them is going to be try to uh, return the favor up here. When VFW, that's a hard place to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So people, uh, opposing teams, they love playing in our barn because it's crazy, but they don't like playing in our barn to win. But Aberdeen's a good team, and they're gritty. And so I, th- I expect what's going to happen is we're going to have to fend them off because they're going to be, like, spitting bullets, right? And uh, the first period, they're going to come out hard. And, you know, we're just going to have to maintain ourselves. We'll come out hard, too, but they've got a, they've got a little more work to do. So they're going to come out hard, and once we get past that first period, you know, we'll see what the score is. But, um, you know, I think that our our team, over time, during the course of the game, hopefully uh, we'll take over and, and figure out, you know, again, a way to, to bring home a couple points on, on Friday. And uh, then hopefully it goes into uh, Saturday as well. All right, so, of course, a big, big home rink advantage at the VFW and the fans are absolutely rabid and part of the reason they are is because well there's a show to be had and a lot of entertainment so Friday night you got a little special something something for the fans yeah you got a little special something something for the fans don't you well I am helping out with uh, one of the mascots that that's going to be there oh, you tonight are. So yeah birthday what's the name of your mascot again uh, well, well well it's our puppy's birthday today so yeah it's it's, that's that's kind of my thing so i gotta celebrate our puppies they'll be six months today um but uh yeah there's you guys are having a little mascot fun tonight we we are but bring the dog that can be the mascot yeah i'll bring the puppies all right sounds good (laughs) i'm not sure if they can skate but they do have four-wheel drive yeah absolutely I think next year we are going to have a wiener dog race. It'd be fun. So it's Scratch's <laughs> birthday, though, uh, tonight. And so we've got, I don't know, eight or ten mascots from around town. And I'm not going to list them because I'll miss them. Uh, but they're going to have fun on the ice and have fun with the kids and, and uh, you know, each other uh, in playing little reindeer games, whatever those might be on the ice, right? See, I think it's kind of cool that um, Scratch shares a birthday with our puppies. That, that's kind of cool. Well, he, he kind of likes the attention, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but he's at least 27 or, or almost 30 now. Uh, but he likes the attention, so it's a good time. The kids love it, and uh, some of the fans are here. They'll say everyone loves Scratch, but it's fun to see the other mascots out and getting out, and you know they'll be giving out little coupons and trinkets, and so it's a fun night that way off the ice. And... Uh, 
Of course, every game starts with uh, fire on ice, so we got a thing now. One, two, three. I think we got six flames going off on uh, on Friday for the intros, and I think the fans kind of like that too. So the show is the show is good, but the hockey's even better. The hockey's even better. So we've got Scratch's birthday coming up tonight. Uh, and mascot night, so there's going to be a ton of mascots out there. So tonight's a great, great night to bring the kids and go check out the Bobcats game. Now, coming up tomorrow night, you got more fun. Yeah, tomorrow night uh, it's fun and it's different in the sense that uh, Kevin Ressler and his crew over at Farmers Union Insurance, they've kind of built programs across the state at various levels. In fact, uh, states because they they made a bunch of acquisitions in South Dakota. So at Aberdeen last week, Kevin was actually down there, um, and they were giving out you know these, these free jerseys. I use the word free because you get them free, but um, you need to. The, there's a cause. We're trying to to feed people that don't have food, so you, know, you can bring three non-perishable goods before the game. You can come up about whatever time six thirty, six fifteen. Uh, get uh, give them um, great harvest. I think it's called. It has some pallets up there, and just you know, put your food in the boxes and take home your jersey, and then uh, or you can give ten boxes. If you forget the food and you got a ten spot, um, you can just give it to the cause too. And so we've been really successful over time. And Kevin uh, and Farmers Union, like I said, they, they're doing it in Minot this Friday. They do it with uh, larks. They do it with. You know, the baseball, they've done a tremendous job. I'm so darn pleased to be part of it. Um, getting a lot of food. It's it's phenomenal, really. Lot so bring, of... them, bring them up and get a free jersey. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Yeah, first, what, 750 fans? Yes, sir. Yep, and they, I think they got youth and they got adults. So, uh, but come up early and make sure to, uh, you know, get a shot at it. There are probably, probably 1,500 people there, so they want to come up early and get your jersey. Bring, bring some food. So three non-perishable food items or $10, and you get to go home with a, a great jersey and help out a great cause. Absolutely. Without yeah. a doubt. And just one of the many ways the Bobcats give back to the community. So, Tom, thank you for you and your staff and what Lane does and, and Brad. And, well, okay, I don't want to talk about Brad because Brad gets a big head. But he does an okay I, job, too. I, I'll give another example just quickly. I know we'll probably get to the end of the segment, but... So last week, we're down in Aberdeen, right? And we pull in about 2.30 in the morning on Sunday. And from 3 until, I think, 6 or 2 till 5, the Bobcats are all in the ice skating with little kids at the VFW. And so, you know, these kids, uh, you know, they care. And, you know, it's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. But they're out there, and they were willing to give and park rec clothes on. And so we do what we can, and it's just great to have great partners that help us uh, do what we can do too for sure great way to get back to the community don't forget uh tonight it's mascot night scratch's birthday and you know we won't divulge how old scratch is because i don't think divulging scratch's birthday is i don't think scratch would like that i don't know but but he's old enough Uh, right he scratch is old enough He's old enough to drink beer, but has no way to do it. <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> That's probably a lie, by the way. Uh, great night to bring the kids. If you want to go check yeah. out all the mascots, there's going to be a ton of them there. Make sure you stop by the Bismarck Bobcats uh, VFW Arena tonight. Uh, and then 
coming up tomorrow night, Saturday night, a very special yep. night, Jersey night with Farmers Union uh, as they're helping raise food. Uh, just three non-perishable food items uh, or $10 to the first uh, 750 fans uh, that are in the door. And it's going to be a packed house uh, all weekend as the Bobcats are making their home stretch yep. run. Uh, as far as tickets, uh, where are you at on tickets? Uh, I think we've got about 300 left uh, for each of the two nights, um, but those will be gone. Uh, they'll be gone. We've, we've been selling out, and so I expect that it'll be similar. Um, congratulations to the high school boys that are down in Fargo, right? And I don't want to offend the locals, but, you know, Dickinson Midgets, like Little Cinderella, right? Tell you what, and, I, you know, it, it, yep. after... After our local teams didn't uh, have a shot at winning the WDA, I I, I yep. kind of felt good for Dickinson because it's been like 24 years since they'd been there and and uh, and won. And I'm like, good for them, you know. Uh, it's about growing hockey in, in Western, Central, and Western North Dakota, and that's yep. always a good thing. So uh, seeing and some of these other programs, I think that would be better as if it was man man. But I think Dickinson has like turned into Kansas City this week. They haven't slept. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of excitement over in that town uh, for State. So, uh, Tom, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, BismarckBobcats.com if you want tickets or make sure you just call the Bobcats. Or if you don't have that app, download the uh, Bismarck Bobcats app. That's uh, always, always a great source for Bobcat information as well. Tom, uh, best of luck this weekend. Thanks. Good luck to you. Good luck to the West, uh, the WDA. All right, we'll see you tonight. Uh, this is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're home of the Bismarck Bobcats. Catch all the games home and away right here on Super Talk 1270. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bismarck Mandan, Super Talk 1270. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Good Wednesday morning. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve and Coming up in just a little bit, we'll talk with Jason Spees at, at the bottom of the hour. And, uh, of course, this is a Wattage Wednesday. Uh, also, Sarah Stogner coming up next hour. Andy Ani, we're going to get to her as well, talking a little social media and how that pertains uh, next hour. Uh, also, Jake Milney, we're going to talk about some wind turbines and uh, what that looks like with some of those assets when they're expired <laughs> and what's in the landfills. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, at 10 o'clock. Uh, in the meantime, uh, one of the big events that takes place around the Bismarck Mandan area, right over the, uh, right down the road over in New Salem, North Dakota, it's ND Country Fest, and it is a great time. It's actually turned into um, a big, big event for uh, not only the communities around uh, New Salem, but uh, uh, the region as well. A lot of people travel for ND Country Fest because the lineup is absolutely great. Joining us uh, from ND Country Fest, Luke Schaefer. Uh, Luke, uh, how you doing, my friend? 
Hey, good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the backstory because um, you know a lot of people had had conversations for years and years and years about uh, why is there not a uh, an avenue for country music fans because people basically from here uh, and all over western North Dakota had to travel to WeFest. A lot of people were familiar with WeFest over in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And uh, it, it took a while. There were a few iterations of some different rock festivals and things around North Dakota, but nothing really stuck and there wasn't anything for that that country appetite that we've got here in North Dakota. And... Andy Country Fest comes along in New Salem in the shadows of New Salem Sioux, and uh, it is growing. And that is um, something that other festivals and other shows have not done. So what's the secret sauce? What's the formula? And, and give a little backstory on, on ND Country Fest and how we got it here in North Dakota. Well, the backstory is, right, like I'm from, I grew up in Bismarck, you know, right there, right in the back the back, uh, the backwoods of the old, you know, of the area, <clears throat> excuse me. So it was growing up there and all my friends are from there. My families are from, you know, from Bismarck, Mandan area and the whole state, you know, I'm a St. Mary's grad, NDSU grad, all that good stuff. And, um, it was just one of those things like, why, why do all of our people in North Dakota, why do they have to travel out for some great entertainment? And it was just one of those things. Like, why can't this exist in North Dakota? <clears throat> and then it's like, why, where should we put it? Well, let's put it where the beacon off the interstate, right? The interstate's great. You know, everybody knows, everybody knows when they drive through, through North Dakota, where the interstate is, and then they know where the cow is. So it's like, why not put it underneath the uh, big Salem Sioux? Cause even if you're from, Washington or if you're from Wisconsin or if you're driving through, you're like, oh, yeah, I know where that big cow is. <laughs> but that was the thing. It was like, why can't this exist? And why do our people from North Dakota, why do they have to travel outside of the state to get great entertainment in a festival setting? And for sure, country music, it's country, country through and through. So when you're talking about uh, building a festival, because you mentioned mm -hmm. New Salem Sioux and, and everybody knows that landmark, but the, mm -hmm. the property below New Salem Sioux is also kind of key to that because if you're going to build out a festival, you have to have the camping. You have to have room to grow into. And uh, I, I've seen that with some of the other venues in North Dakota where uh, they just haven't had the room to grow. So it kind of tails off and and not around anymore. Um, tell us about the thought process of picking that location and then knowing that you've got room to grow into, you know, maybe someday it is a, a Wee Fest or a Cheyenne Frontier Days or one of those larger premier events, but you got to have the room to grow into that. Well, and I don't know if a lot of listeners already already know or not, but we did 65,000 people last year at our show. So it's, it's big. And we pull from 40 different states and we pull from, I think it's now three to four different provinces in Canada. So we're pulling people from all over the United States. So it's not... It's not just North Dakota that, 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 uh, you know, we're going into our seventh, seventh, uh, year, but, uh, we are becoming a definite, definite national name, uh, especially uh, around the country music tour and scene and the artists know us and the booking agencies know us. So it is quite, quite big and it's growing and it grows at a, it's growing at a rate right now. The last, 
the last four years, it's been growing at a rate of 30%. And I can tell you right now, where we're, where we sit today over last year is we're at a rate at 40% this year over last year, which is amazing. Now, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, the community was great. You know, everybody had their questions, right? The community was like, well, what are you going to do? Why are you, why do you want to put it here? You know, it'll never, you know, and then there's other, you know, the, the naysayers, not necessarily the community, but just in general of like, that'll never work. It, it, people tried this up in, in this area of North Dakota and they tried this over there and it only lasted two years. That only lasted three years. You're only going to make it one year and that's it and whatnot. But knowing, knowing a couple things, right? There was an appetite for it. There's demand for it because it's country music and that never existed before in a festival setting. But you're right to go ahead and pick a place where you can expand. Well, shoot, in New Salem, if you get on top of the cow, you can see people driving in, driving out from Bismarck and driving back into Bismarck, right? It's so flat, right? There's room for it everywhere. <laughs> but doing the research on it, right? Doing the research on it and talking to the local landowners, too, and saying, hey, this is, what, this is what I'm looking to do. What do you think? If it does expand, we do need camping, you know, would you be, would you consider, you know, a partnership to go ahead and, and use that, that land that's close? Because if it does get to a point where we need that land, would you be interested in, in talking? And they're, they're all like, yeah, we're, we're here to support it. We think it'd be good for not only the community of New Salem, but they were like, you know, it's a great thing for the state. And a lot of those folks there obviously do more than, than just their, uh, that are just landowners in New Salem. A lot of those folks do a lot of things around the state too. So they're like, they're all in. Uh, they're like, best of luck and see what happens. And the first year it was like two nights of camping and we just needed the, just needed the camping grounds that was in the uh, Morton County Fairgrounds area. And, uh, and we did one night of music, which was Michael Ray was our headliner. He had the number one song in country music at the time. 4,000 people show up for that for that one day. And it was like, I think we got something here. And now here we are, you know, years later. And now we're four days of country music, four nights of camping, 65,000 people. And it's just blown up. And just the support of the whole, you know, initially, initially right, it's that Bismarck Mandan, New Salem, that 100-mile radius where it supported the first two years, and then it just blew up across the whole state. And then it, then and now it's gone across the whole United States. Like, if you look at, we look at our dot map every every week on our ticket sales, the dot map meaning where people, zip codes of where people are purchasing from. And we're just amazed every, every single week where actually more dots pop up around the country. And then especially, like I said, too, into Canada. We're talking with Luke Schaefer, ND Country Fest, and, uh, you know, you've grown into North Dakota's largest camping event. Uh, you're going from one stage to multiple stages. We'll talk about that and the lineup this year when we come back. And then something else you're working on uh, concerning Tracy Bird. People may uh, be familiar with that name as well. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Talk of the Town. With the new year brings new opportunities. We are truly... Class. Super Talk. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bogg, and we're talking with Luke Schaefer, Indy Country Fest. And uh, from its humble beginnings to now multiple stages, and, and I mean multiple, multiple stages, uh, we're talking with Luke Schaefer, and Luke, uh, you guys have a main stage, secondary stage, Frontier Village, um, the NDCF main stage, nightly party. Uh, it, it, you guys have got it all <laughs> going on out at New Salem. <laughs> you know, when you when we say music festival, we really mean music festival. All the pieces. <laughs> we... <laughs> right, literally, you can show up, and you can have dang near 14 hours straight of live music. From when you get there all the way until, you know, when we shut down at about 2 a.m. So there's music all the way across the board. So, like, obviously our main stage, which has our main artist, this opens up when we call our, our music festival bowl. I mean, this year, it's, a, it's the biggest lineup we've ever had, you know, with Dirks Bentley, Riley Green, Michael Ray, Clint Black, Easton Corbin, Diamond Rio, Leroy Parnell, Pam Tillis, Ned Ledoux, the War Hippies, the list goes on and on and on, and you can check. We'll end up doing off of that main stage roughly about 23 artists just off of the main stage in four days. But then we also have, <clears throat> every night, we have our nightly after party. As soon as the main stage is done, we have another stage that's in our, our big, huge tent in the back of the bowl area uh, that has our DJ Do, which DJ Do is our DJ that runs all the way from with our after party all the way from 1230 all the way till 2 a.m. He's also our MC of the whole show. But Dew is a great friend of mine. I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with Phoenix and the Phoenix Open or the Houston Rodeo or the NFR. They've ever been to those other events. He's that guy. He's from Phoenix. Actually, he's from Tucson. He's a great friend, and he does a great job with our after parties and the MC. So that takes you all the way till 2 a.m. But also that there's another secondary stage where we do national artists up and comers every day from one o'clock to four o'clock. And there's a whole nother set of uh, up and comer national artists that play that stage for that hour, those hours. And then we have another stage that we call out in Frontier Village, which is in our Frontier Campground, which we're going to be, it's new this year to 2024, is which we call our Fest Day Live. A lot of our fans, they know that we do a lot of social media and social media lies and we appreciate all of you guys watching those but we're going to come to the crowd in the crowd on stage right there in the village we'll be doing all kind of interactions and with the music behind it out there on that stage too so you know 14 hours easy of music every single day live music you know luke that's one of the things with this festival because you touch all the bases you know dirk Bentley, the big headliners clint black uh, one of the staples when I first got into country music back in the 90s, and, and I remember when Clint Black used to rock, and he rocked hard. Uh, Pam Tillis, uh, you, you cover the bases for absolutely everybody, and one of the things I'm really excited about is that up-and-coming stage, because I used to work in some space with new artists, and, and that energy that comes from new artists that are just looking for the exposure, and they're not quite there yet, they haven't quite hit, but they're right on the cusp, and then the ability for fans to go, hey, I saw them before they were that big famous artist. It's like I saw Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift was Taylor Swift. It, it, you know, that's a cool part of that. You guys provide that exactly, and that's a 
great part of the experience for our folks. Like you said, like I, I saw Taylor Swift she was on the secondary stage at such and such, and and we like it. We got a great lineup for that too. We haven't released it, but I'll give you one right now that we're going to put out there. Is Taylor Austin Die? She's on our on our main stage too, but she'll be running the secondary stage uh, one one day. But it's uh, she's a twist between Gretchen Wilson and Miranda Lambert in, in her voice and her stage presence. It's just a matter of time for her, and she has a great kind of country rock edge to her. And uh, when you hear her and you see her live, it's like, oh yeah, this is it. This is it. Just a matter of time, and that's fun because too, like like you know, Steve, it's like when those secondary stages, you're right there. I mean, it doesn't get any more up and close and personal uh, than that. And our and those are those are the ones you saw them before before they were, you know, before they were. You know. Uh, it- it's a long way before ND Country Fest, but some of those ticket packages you guys have, and, and I know the camping goes fast as well, but uh, the VIP weekend admissions, you're almost out of those. We are. You know, there's literally less than 20 VIP weekend passes for the festival. And those go fast, and this is the fastest that's ever gone uh, for us this year. Usually they always, they have always sold out. Last three years they've sold out, but this is the soonest. Uh, they have gone. So if you want to go VIP this year, excuse me, <clears throat> definitely get on and ndcountryfest.com and grab those VIP tickets now. We still do have, a lot of people do ask about payment plans, and we do have that. So when you do go on our ticket site, instead of hitting buy tickets, hit reserve, and then it'll load it up into the uh, into the payment plan for you. Uh, so what is that website? It's ndcountryfest.com and just hit tickets, and then it'll take you right to it. Pretty simple. I, I wanted to give you a couple minutes to talk about something that uh, you're kind of expanding into some other areas a little bit. Um, tell us about the Your Town Tour. So the Your Town Tour, just a quick history of that, was it was about in 2018. Um, it is uh, my partner in this is the other or the other owner partner, um, Brandon Ralph. We we're like, man, we kind of we have backgrounds of sports you know, sports and coaching and recruiting and playing and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, man, I think we need to go out and probably just go on, like drive around and talk to people in all these small towns around North Dakota and let them know what North ND Country Fest is about and what we do and what we're doing and what the future looks like and ask them, literally ask them who they'd like to see uh, at, the, at ND Country Fest, you know, for as far as artists. So we jumped in a car and we made a map and we went around and we went to dang near the first year. We went to dang near every little small town, went to the cafes, went to the restaurants and the big towns, Bismarck, Faro, James Sundays and all that kind of stuff, handed out posters, handed out magnets, talked to everybody. And uh, that was the first year. And it went so well. And then we video it with Facebook lives all the way through. And all of a sudden there's people watching us and tracking us and meeting us at, hey, meet me at this cafe in New Leipzig or this this place in Wishick, you know, and so on and so on. And now that thing has grown to where now the second year that we had done it, we're like, we should do some concerts with it on some of these stops. But now that's grown to where <clears throat> now we have over like 2 million views and engagements on social media while we're driving around the whole state. But now we have 10 different, now it's grown not to just the North Dakota, we have 10 different concerts uh, around the whole Midwest with the Your Town Tour, and that headliner is with Tracy Bird. And now we go, 
we have we have six shows in North Dakota. We got three shows in South Dakota. We got one show in Omaha, Nebraska, and then we have one show in Wyoming. And then now there's other venues uh, in other states, especially Colorado, uh, that we had we had talked about earlier about that off offline. But it was uh, we'll probably expand into Colorado and possibly Arizona in 2025. So this thing. It gets us out there. We go in and we put these shows on. We're in front of these communities. It's a great show. Usually they're smaller venues and a big name, and it's a great experience for everybody. And it gets the ND Country Fest uh, name out there and brand out there. And a lot of times what happens as soon as we put these shows on, say, like in Gillette, Wyoming, a lot of folks will purchase our tickets and come to the show in July to the festival. And, and it's really great for us. And we come out and see everybody, and we talk to everybody, and we're not behind, uh, not behind any any type of uh, desk or anything like that or nothing. We're out and we're out and about. And that's what we love to do is talk to the people and be in front of the people and be in front of our guests and, and potentially new guests. Looking, looking forward to uh, ND Country Fest coming up again this year. It is going to be a great time growing every year out at New Salem, uh, camping, four days of country music, uh, different stages, different atmospheres, different genres of country music, which is really a cool part as well. A lot for everybody. Uh, also, the uh, Your Town Tour with Tracy Bird. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing if you uh, got a little watermelon crawl in you. <laughs> I all day long. I, I, all day long. We watermelon crawling all across the Midwest. <laughs> Perfect, Luke. Uh, once again, uh, people want to find out more information, ndcountryfest.com for the Your Town Tour or ND Country Fest, those VIP packages. You can actually put them on a payment plan, but uh, those are going extremely fast. Luke, uh, looking forward to another update. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, we look forward to, to the future with you guys, too. Luke Schaefer, Andy Country Fest, coming up in the very near future. Also, the Your Town Tour with Tracy Bird. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Hello, North Dakota. Joe Giganti, host of the regular Joe Show, now heard weeknights 9 to midnight here on Super Talk 1270. Together, we'll tackle the hottest topics, be it politics, entertainment, or the culture, unapologetically through the lens of true conservatism, all while remembering to laugh and have a little bit of fun. You know, live life boldly. The regular Joe Show, weekday evening starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Talk of the Town, weekday morning starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. AM Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studios. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Without apology, the regular Joe Show with Joe Giganti. Weekday evenings at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. 
Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bakken. Jeff Williams joining us from North Dakota Game and Fish. Kind of a year in review. Uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of these colder temperatures we've got coming up. Also, uh, what's coming ahead in 2024. And... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the late start of the ice fishing season, but uh, year in review. So we've got all the seasons pretty much wrapped up. Um, you know, pheasant season was kind of spotty this year. I didn't get out nearly as much as I wanted to because we had a litter of puppies. But uh, um, everybody I talked to was kind of hit and miss. Waterfowl was good this year because of the warm weather late. Uh, that turned out really well. Uh, deer season, uh, you know, people were actually concerned that it might be too warm to hang a deer. Uh, so. Kind of an interesting hunting season this fall. Uh, yeah, no n- no doubt about that, Steve. And Happy New Year, by the way, to you and all the, all, all the listeners. And, um, you know, I, I think this fall is probably a good example of, of, a, of a statement that, you know, one of our staff made a number of years ago that I've never, never forgotten. And, you know, how right he was in talking about how in North Dakota, if you are, if you're one dimensional, if you're somebody that just enjoys pheasant hunting or just enjoys waterfall hunting or deer hunting, that there's going to be lots of ebbs and flows, right? But if you're somebody that, that, that appreciates the outdoor opportunities in a more holistic perspective, whether it's, you know, catching, catching pike, on Lake Wahi or any of our other lakes and, you know, having the opportunity to go out and, and chase, chase coyotes. Um, you're always going to have something that's, that's on the upper end. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now, you know, from a deer perspective, obviously there's people out there that I think we're, we're hoping they'd like to see more deer hunting opportunities. So would we as a department. Um, <clears throat> but you know, you, you have to manage through the low number of years as well. And that means, you know, reducing opportunities, reducing tags, those types of things. And, um, but, you know, talking about pheasants that there's no doubt that some areas we had some, some really good pheasant, pheasant numbers and, you know, a lot of weight, a lot of cases, a lot of places you didn't think about though. No, that, and, and, it, places that were like, wait a minute, I haven't hunted there cause I haven't been pheasant there for a long time. And there's good bird numbers there. Yeah, and so I, you know, and then... Southwest, and, a little soft. Yeah, there's no doubt, I think, that that's kind of, has been kind of shifting the last number of years. You know, there's been, uh, you know, pretty significant habitat changes, you know, in the Southwest. You know, you go back 10 to 15 years, and that was where we had an awful lot of CRP in the state. And obviously, a part of the state, when you have those type type of habitat conditions, you can produce a lot of pheasants in a, in a short amount of time or... Now that that trend has kind of gone away a little bit, and and so some of the other parts of the state are actually doing better when it comes to pheasant hunting more so than the southwest. But there's still opportunities down there, you know. We know that, and and one of the things that was nice about this fall, though, is that people actually did have the entire fall to hunt. You yeah. Know, last year we had the early November snow that arrived and never left. And I'm typically a late season guy. I don't get yeah. out until after Thanksgiving because I like frozen slew bottoms and i'm a slew bottom guy exactly i didn't get to hunt them again this year either yeah so (laughs) they were open so that's i mean that was a big difference and anytime you can anytime you have that i mean that just extends the opportunity out there people enjoy that it's late season hunting is uh, you know you you maybe don't have the crowds you just you know there's lots of different things you know all the row crops you know are, are usually down and so um, it, they're just, there's some additional opportunity that's provided. And this, this fall was definitely that case compared to last year. And 
people def, uh, certainly you know missed that opportunity last year. A lot of bird numbers up, though, when you start talking about sharp-tailed grouse and Hungarian partridge, the resurgence yeah. for huns has been phenomenal this year. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's been a trend the last couple of years too. But I think we're going to even see. Well, we will. We we, 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 yeah, we we definitely will see. I was going to say, I think we're going to see it, but we we will definitely see additional harvest this year associated with our Hungarian partridge, simply because of the number one, the numbers, but then then again, the extended fall, the extending hunting opportunity that people had when they're out when they're out specifically pheasant hunting. But of course, you know, bumping a couple coveys of partridge. Absolutely. Traditionally, I mean, in in places that kind of gets you a little jazz. Well, it's fun. You're like. Sharps. I just saw sharp. Yeah, you know, I just you, saw Huns. I exactly. Just, you know that mixed bag. Yeah. Um. Just that's part of being in the outdoors in North Dakota. You you wind up getting that opportunity for those mixed bags. Yeah. And and you know it depends on kind of what generation you are. But there are a lot of folks that, you know, remember only going out and you know four sharp tails or four partridge. Right. You know, and then maybe an occasional pheasant type scenario. You know, but now that switched quite a bit, and so now, but it is having that opportunity at that. At all three species, when you're out there hunting, is you know mean meaningful. You know the fourth fun species. Uh, we don't talk about it very much because uh, we have specific areas in the state. Rough grouse, and I grew up rough grouse hunting. You know, Grand Forks. I'd run up to the Pemina Gorge and and do quite a bit of rough grouse hunting. Cyclical though, you know, sure. ten year cycle with roughies. Um, what were those numbers like this year? Yeah, I mean, they're you know our rough grouse numbers in North Dakota, like you said, are, are cyclical. But you know, being the area that they're in and the you know, a pretty specific area. I mean, we, we don't have, you know, what, certainly what we would say was, is abundant rough grouse numbers. And, uh, uh, you know, but there are, there are years certainly where they're, they're better than others. And for folks up there that are, that want to, you know, go seek that opportunity, it, it is there. Um, you know, some, some years is just going to be a little better or, you know, a little worse than others, but there is those opportunities up there. And we get a lot of folks, you know, that do enjoy that. And, uh, you know, that, that quick hitting opportunity, you know, walking those trails in the, uh, you know, in the Turtle Mountain areas, those different types of things. And then having that kind of quick hitting opportunity with, with rough grouse opportunity is definitely something different that, you know, especially coming from a prairie landscape, prairie opportunity in the majority part portions of North Dakota. So definitely a different, unique perspective for folks that, that like the grouse species. We're talking with Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish. Uh, a little update of uh, what last season looked like, uh, a wrap-up on the year, and we're going to get into uh, what the coming year, 2024, is going to look like. And there's some dates that are coming up rather quickly you need to know about. Uh, this is Talk of the Town. I'm Steve Bakken on Super Talk 1270. Talk of the town. Super Talk. Tw- for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bogg. We're talking with Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish. Uh, year in review from last hunting season. Uh, we talked upland game. Uh, we're going to get into uh, waterfowl here in a couple minutes. But I wanted to finish up on uh, the big three. Of course, we talked a little bit about deer, but uh, moose and elk. 
and uh, Bighorn always uh, fan favorites, partly because the license is so hard to to get. I mean, although it seems like I know people that put in for thirty some years and haven't gotten that once in a lifetime draw yet, and they'll have a spouse or somebody puts in for the first time and. Boom! <laughs> it's funny how that works. <laughs> luck of the draw. <laughs> luck, luck of the, the draw. draw. Right? It's a it's a true lottery, and so you know everybody has that the same opportunity. And one of the things that you know, I, I and I, I always people that hear this and have heard me talk about this before, they probably roll their eyes because they know I always like to talk about this. But if a person does want to significantly increase your odds of success, you need to put in for a cow elk or a cow moose. That, I mean, it, it literally turns into a coin flip and sometimes right. even hot, more, you know, more odds in your favor of drawing than not drawing. And now I totally get it and understand it that everybody wants to shoot a, a bull moose yep. or a bull elk in North Dakota, well, right? Especially but, when you've got bull elk in North Dakota that are world record class yeah. bull elk. But, I, you know, it's just one of those things that, like I said, I totally understand everybody and myself included would love to shoot a bull elk or bull moose in North Dakota, but the odds are just not in your favor of ever drawing that license. See, I do that so. all the time. And in, in, I used to go to Colorado elk hunting all the time. And uh, I would put in for my preference points for a couple of trophy zones that I like to hunt in. And if I wasn't going for those trophy zones just to accrue points, I was putting in for a cow. Herd cows are bigger and the meat's a little better, I yeah, think. Yeah. I, but I wanted the elk every year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're looking for... You know, it's about getting in the outdoors and, and the thrill of that hunt, you know, whether it's got horns or not. Uh, it, but if you want to do the hunt, you know, put in for that cow. Um, moose. We have got such an incredible moose population in North Dakota that I don't think people to the eastern part of the state really understand the numbers of moose. We, we may have more moose than Minnesota right now after they had that little disease <laughs> yeah, run through. Yeah. We got a lot of moose. Yeah, you know, the you know this, the, the north central and northwest part of North Dakota has, you know, over the last several years now, our moose, you know, moose numbers have really filled into that area more so than the traditional northeast portion of, of North Dakota. And, and our numbers have been doing good. We, you know, we have been putting a fair amount of pressure on them the last number of years, just due to, you know, some landowner concerns, landowner tolerance, that type of thing. And, and with moose, it's, it's quite a bit different too, right? I mean, you, as, as an apartment, when we, when we issue a moose license, we pretty much count that, that license yeah, is going to be harvested. It's a very, very they, high success yeah. rate. Uh, moose is certainly moose, bighorn sheep. They're you know definitely our highest success rates, and so, um, so w- we know that in North Dakota, obviously you have that ability to you know remove moose, move moose, excuse me, off the landscape in a short amount of time if that if that's your goal. And and, uh, and like everything we do in North Dakota, there's a lot that depends on landowner tolerance, and you know we know that you know for the most part landowners are. Pretty good, pretty accepting of moose, but, you know, they are a big animal. They can, you know, get to be a pain here and there with some fences, that type of thing. And, and so, they have no predators in North no, Dakota. Yeah, well, That's none. why they sit yeah, there and exactly. get big. Yeah. You know, and one of the things I always look at it, with a healthy population of any of the large an- animals, um, you know, when you start seeing triplets with deer, you know it's a healthy population. When you start seeing triplets in moose, you know they have a healthy population. I'll run into moose out pheasant hunting, and more often than not, it's triplets over twins and i never see a single it's just that means there's a healthy population out there yeah yeah there's no doubt we're you know we're pretty blessed with the health healthy 
healthy moose population, you know, again, for, for what North Dakota has for our habitat base. But, and, you know, and then getting into, you know, just some of the neat success stories out there, you know, we, you know, as a department, you know, we don't get into the record book type stuff, Steve. I mean, we all look at, you know, somebody that gets a moose license. I mean, that's a... But take that hat off yeah. and now you're an avid outdoorsman, well, Jeb. And you, you kind of look at that, right? Well, for sure. Everybody <laughs> has an interest in that. And there are. There are some neat success stories with that where people have taken some real magnificent animals. And this year was no no uh, no exception with that. It was a good year this it was, year. It was, yeah, definitely a good year. Some really exceptional moose and elk taken in North Dakota. And, and we've really been working to, uh, you know, there's... there's there's especially like with elk, you know, elk traditionally kind of Western part of the state, you know, over the last number of years, you know, in the, in the standing rock area, you know, we've worked with standing rock Sioux tribe and, and number of landowners in that area with an elk population down there. Well, then now in the Northeast part of the state, uh, you know, Turtle Mountains, Pemina Gorge. I mean, obviously there's always been some elk in that area, but really expanding up in that area as well. And so um, really been working with a lot of folks up there and, and trying to get some additional hunting access for hunters that draw those once in a lifetime licenses while also trying to assist those landowners that are experiencing maybe some higher populations within that localized area. So, but the result of that population growth has been, you know, some really magnificent, you know, mature bull elk. And you also have the Canadian border up there, which challenges things and provincial park right across the border where there's no hunting allowed. And so those elk are certainly growing on that side of the border, but then not recognizing a international boundary. They come and go across the border just as you would expect they would. And so that creates They're some not challenges like deer for us. I do deer hunting down on the South Dakota border down in, in southwestern North Dakota. And, oh, no, they know the, the border. Yeah. They also know the, the, the calendar as well. So Because South Dakota is a little later than North Dakota. They know. Yeah. Um, bighorn. Yeah, so you know we're we're uh, we're pretty excited about our bighorn sheep population right now. You know we're we're about a record high when it comes to that, and some really nice mature rams, which of course is the goal to remove those nice mature rams out of the population, and that's where the licenses go to. And you know, so this last year we had a total of six licenses, and uh, you know, all nice, really nice mature rams that were taken during the hunting season. And you know, we're getting closer to. I, I did a presentation here the other day with a state tribal relations uh, committee uh, that the, the, the legislature puts on, you know, of course, in, in the interim and and they, uh, you know, met actually met in Newtown and with, uh, you know, MHA sponsoring that that meeting and and uh, had the opportunity to talk and acknowledge and thank the partnership we had with MHA as far as uh, reintroducing bighorn sheep back, uh, you know, to MHA nation lands uh, in 2020. And so those those numbers are doing phenomenal. You know the the reproduction and recruitment of those the bighorn sheep numbers. We started with approximately thirty bighorn sheep that were brought from Rocky Boy Indian Reservation, uh, just west of Haver, Montana. Nice partnership with them too to bring those into North Dakota. And so what started about thirty, now we're you know getting close to eighty five to ninety total sheep in that area. So again, reproduction has been really good. Recruitment has been, you know, really good, you know, not only seeing that reproduction, but making sure they stay within that population. 
Um, and so that's the key, obviously, to, to the population growth and just a phenomenal resource for people to be able to view. We get so many comments and pictures sent to us from people fishing Lake Sakakawea and seeing the bighorn sheep on the steep that's bluffs kind of cool. and, yeah. and uh, you know, while they're fishing. And so it's, they're, they're just, they're just a critter that people really enjoy seeing. And so with such a limited population, trying to grow that population uh, in limited licenses, uh, how, how much of a facilitator does Game and Fish act as? Because, you know, there's certain animals you want culled out. I mean, do you work with the hunting parties to, to manage that and go, you know, we need that older, that older ram gone? Um, or is it just, okay, here's your license, go out and hunt? Very closely, work very closely with each one of them because again, it's we feel you know we feel good about the population that we have, but if somebody just blindly draws a bighorn sheep license, I mean, it's still a little bit of a needle in a haystack, right? right? And so, number one, you're you know wanting to work with them, you know, let them know you know where these sheep are spending a lot of time. You know, we're not you know we're not taking and pinpointing, you know, saying hey, shoot this one, that type of thing. But please take the big one. Well, that, I mean, kinda... there's there's no doubt. I mean yeah. that you know that is the goal of it is that you know we're you know you try to educate people the best the best possible saying hey the mature rams are the ones that we want to remove from the population now it's not a exact requirement nobody's going to get a ticket if they don't but yet you know 99 percent of the time people do and but that, that's, that's the management side it of is it, so. yeah exactly uh working with the hunters and uh, north dakota game and fish executive director jeb williams this is talk of the town on super talk 1270 For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bogan along with Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish Executive Director. And uh, you know, we had a pretty good uh, fishing season this last year, open water fishing. We're going to get to ice here in just a little bit. But, uh, um, wow, I, <laughs> I didn't need bait. You just threw the hook in and, and you wound up with a really nice walleye. Yeah, I... I mean, honestly, Steve, backing up too. I mean, you go back three, four, five, even even beyond that, and you you know, it seemed like every year you're kind of saying to yourself, you're like, gosh, is it can it get better? Well, it it has. It has continued to get better and better. And what we're seeing in, in some of our data, um, you know, the course it's collected throughout the open water fishing season is that it's going to go down on record as the best walleye season in north dakota open water fishing season and Some big uh, fish came yeah out too. i mean just and you know just the just the abundance of fish and you know of course we always talk about our big three uh you know we just you know we talked about our big three hunting wise a little bit ago but you know we talked the big three lakes north dakota devil's lake oahe and sakakawea obviously you know put out a lot of that but our prairie lakes you know from all corners of the state have been very, very productive these last number of years, too. There's a lot of little honey holes around there North are. Dakota that yeah. people don't go, whoa, wait a yeah. minute, there's some nice fish in here. Yeah, and it's so nice just, you know, just due to the fact that, you know, one of the, one of the things that people, majority people anyway, that like so much when they like to go out fishing, they, they, 
They like, obviously, the space, right? They don't like crowds. They don't like long lines, those types of things. So anytime we can have more opportunity like we had, like, say, in 2023 and even, even uh, you know, past that, it just spreads people out, right? Well, and the opportunities at the Prairie Lakes, because you used to think about that little slough bottom that turned into a lake that, uh, okay, there's some pretty good pan fishing in there or perch fishing. And those opportunities have expanded because now they're a, a good walleye lake or a good northern lake, um, good bass lake. They're, the opportunities from a, okay, what do I want to go fish for today? They're out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, a person doesn't have to look very far. And no. that's And that's, you know, I always say this too, is it, it's so nice, you know, as a kid that grew up in Beach, North Dakota, where Lakes Kakawea was not right in in my backyard, and but fishing opportunities are still really you might have been a little really close to Fort Peck, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. And so you know that, but the fishing opportunities are just important to you know a kid growing up there as they are. That if that say if you grew up in Garrison, you just have a little better opportunity if you grew up in Garrison, you know, as far as that you know the big lake experience goes. But so it's just nice being able to see the opportunities given to the public all across the state with these smaller prairie lakes where you don't have to travel as far, you know, to some of those bigger destinations. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the big three, and uh, actually I'll say three and a half because we'll come back to the Missouri River here. Um, but uh, Devil's Lake was a uh, big producer, winter ice fishing, walleye uh, in the summer, great lake. Um, um, Skakawea has kind of <laughs> blown it out of the water. Yeah, it, it, it has it, you know, and, and, you know, and we saw that too. I mean, a lot of people asking a lot of questions, obviously there's lots of forage fish in there. That's a good thing. Anytime, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, you're looking to grow in that population, having good, healthy fish. That's super important. Obviously water levels. We've been blessed with good water levels the last couple of years when we were actually, you know, kind of concerned not too many years ago about the direction of Lakes Kakawea water levels. And so we've been blessed, you know, with some, Good spring rains and, and snows in Montana that have really contributed to filling up Lakes Kakawea and then being able to maintain that that uh, elevation level as well. So super important, to, you know, when it comes to that fishery and and obviously the sustainability of that lake and reproduction of, you know, the, the game species, but then also, again, the forage fish, those types of things. So with what we're at right now with this winter and not a whole lot of snow, we had a lot of saturation, <clears throat> a lot of moisture in the soil, that rain event that, that we had here. Uh, you didn't get that a little further to the west. Uh, Montana's been fairly dry in eastern Montana. Um, are there concerns from game and fish about some of those water levels coming up this spring? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say concerns. I mean, we went into you know this this winter in in better better condition as far as that lake elevation goes um you know so we're we're situated just a little bit better if if we do get into a scenario where we don't get a lot of runoff from montana now obviously it would be sure sure be nice if we would get some good runoff from montana and hopefully that winter snowpack picks up a little bit for any of the ski you know folks that out there that like skiing there they'd like that as well but then you know again just for from our our lake standpoint we we sure hope that that picks up a little bit in in some of those areas too Oahe also great fishery this last summer yeah um you know it in, you guys work of course with the uh, south dakota game and fish uh managing that as we share that uh 
that resource. Uh, one of the things that popped up in Oahe, though, that is a little concerning, zebra mussels. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, not only the fact that, you know, zebra mussels, but adult zebra mussels, see, that, that tells you that they've probably been there a while. Now, the good news is, is that, you know, it's a ways away from our border and, you know, of course, downstream from us. So that's obviously good news. But, you know, one of the things that's, you know, unfortunately that we know about zebra mussels is that usually the way they move is is by people, right? When it yeah. comes to that type of scenario, we know there's a lot of activity of people, you know, coming and going, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota, I mean, fishing Lake Oahe, you know, both on our side and, and South Dakota side, and then, you know, coming back into different parts and different areas. And so just the continued message of, of uh, you know, making sure that, you know, your, your boat, your, your clean, drain and dry, right? I mean, that... Well, that, it's not just the boat, though. Yeah. It's uh, ice fishing. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, people that are ice fishing, you pick up and go drag the equipment from one to the other, and if you got a little, uh, little foliage you might have picked up out of your hole and you pop over to another body of water, you, you have to be diligent year-round when it comes to zebra mussels. Yeah, it's not that's, just summer. That's a good point, Steve. I mean, I think there's no doubt that the risk is less, you know, in the winter months just because of, you know, you have you have much more control over the situation as far as that, you know, the hole that, you, that you're ice fishing in front of versus, say, a boat-type mm-hmm. scenario that, you know, that, uh, you, you know, a lot of times even if you're, if you're doing everything correct, you know, even in a boat scenario or a dock scenario, that type of thing that, you know, sometimes they can find those little hiding spots. But, yeah, there's no doubt that people just, you know, we need to continue to ha- have that education out there to protect our, our, um, our, our, our bodies of water the best we can against, you know, zebra mussels. I'm going to go back to the half now, uh, Missouri River. And I don't think I've ever seen boats this late this year. A couple of weeks ago, we had, I counted 12 boats uh, from the Memorial Bridge on the river. And I mean, wow. And they were hammering them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it has been, it had been a great fall. As long as that weather held, it was a great fall on the Missouri River. Yeah. Yeah. I, a person always kind of wonders, and I visited with a couple of them that I knew that were out there, and I, you know, just kind of teasing them a little bit, just wondering, is you it, weren't one of them? Is it? No, my my, <laughs> my boat's in storage, so I didn't even have any opportunity. But, I, I, I talked to people yeah. that were pounding them off the bank. Yeah. It was crazy yeah. this fall, and I, I was just curious though of is it the is it the uniqueness of the experience or our people doing really well fishing and i think it was both i both. mean people yeah. people were really catching good fish but you know too just the uniqueness of being able to and say you're on fishing the river in bismarck at right the end of december it's, yeah. it's, it was crazy year for that yeah but the fish numbers were there they were yeah people were really catching some nice fish i saw some pictures and talked to a guy down at uh, pony express and yeah he was showing me some of the fish he was catching and so it was nice but you know i was asking you know kind of asking some of those guys too you know do you ever get kind of nervous about the ramp, you know, a little bit, freezing up a little bit just throughout, you know, that our days were so nice that, right. you know, obviously if it was super early in the morning or, you know, late in the day after, you know, people pulling boats out and then the ramp maybe getting a little slick towards the end of the day. But I just, man, I could see myself getting into a bad scenario situation with, you know, <laughs> jackknife in my boat and my, my pickup sliding down the ramp. And yeah, but I don't know if I'd be brave enough to do that. But Well, that's what those steel grates on the uh, boat ramps are for. Well, I don't know. Some have them some don't so yeah um so 
getting into some of the ice fishing, the, because now we're transitioning with the colder weather. Uh, we're finally getting into some ice fishing. Um, still extremely dangerous ice conditions out there. Yeah, I think, you know, certainly with the conditions we're getting into now, you know, we're, we're building some pretty good ice. But, yeah, I, you know, just like we were just talking about, I mean, people open water fishing here in January in North right. Dakota. And, um, you know, anybody that was, you know, pheasant hunting up until the last weekend of the season and, you know, first weekend in January still, you know, breaking through in different parts of the state, walking sloughs, that type of thing. I mean, that's just not, doesn't normally happen. And so, um, but definitely this stretch now, we're going to build a lot of ice and it's going to be good ice, you know, and we don't have any, any snow on top of it, that type of thing as far as insulation wise. So there's going to be some good ice that's, that's built, but yeah, we're not. We're not starting this in middle of January with a with a tremendous ice base. So people still need to be, uh, you know, I think uh, educate educate themselves on what those conditions are. Just going back to the open water uh, real quickly, though. Uh, so pretty good opportunity to catch a new state record walleye in Bismarck Mandan. Uh Coming up next spring. Well, I, I, I think where we're at in our fishery scenario, I think that opportunity exists every spring now. Might, might yeah. be out there, folks. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish. We're going to talk ice fishing when we come back from the break. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Buying along with Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish Director. And, uh, you know, I want to finish up a little bit on uh, some of the ice uh, right now, ice conditions. Because of the warm weather we've had, uh, may look okay, but don't trust it. Really yeah. don't trust it right now. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, that's... That's a good good way to start it. Steve. Bring your and safety stuff with for you. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things we just... You know, considering we're mid January now or close to anyway, it's uh, this is a discussion we usually have in November, right? We're we're just not in normal normal conditions, and you know we're definitely going to be building some ice with the colder temperatures now. But up until up and up to this point, uh, you know, there's there's been areas where you know you have maybe six seven inches of of ice, and um, you know, and and like you pointed out earlier too, we've just been getting you know, so much melting and, you know, then buildings, a little bit of ice, but then melting again, you know, ice. and so it's just, there's just been a lot of inconsistency. And so, you know, where people are going to be venturing out a little bit more now, now, you know, moving forward, the ice is definitely going to be building some, but I think just next reminder out there is always, always a good thing when, especially, you know, when we're in a year like this. Safety first, bring your safety equipment, let people know where you're going, what time you're going to be back, all of that the good safety protocol. I want to get into uh, 2024 opening dates. You've got some dates coming up. Uh, spring turkey, of course, uh, that's the first one on the docket. It is, yeah. We, uh, you know, the, the 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 spring turkey proclamation is uh, is is has been submitted to the governor, and uh, you know, our, the recommendation is to you know in, increase you know, on the number of licenses. And so, you know, that'll be coming out here fairly soon, but you're right. That's the first one. And, uh, we hope to have those, uh, the, the application, uh, online here right around the 18th, uh, 19th of January, somewhere around there. And, and then, you know, after that, you know, some of the season, you know, the, the tentative opening dates for that is April 13th. And, and then of course, you know, our opening dates that we have put forward for our 2024 season, all on our website, but, you know, deer and, and, uh, deer bow season, August 30th and dove, you know the standard September September first youth deer September thirteenth, uh, and then after that we have uh, you know just a kind of a march of our uh, upland 
upland game seasons, which open up every con, you know consecutive weekend and waterfall season. So you know September, October, there pretty much have every open every weekend. There's an opening season going on. So anybody interested in our tentative open dates, just jump on our website and check it out, and make sure to get it marked on your calendar. Uh, one of the things with the website, you guys have really done a really good job with the electronic postings of things uh, that information has been phenomenal the mapping and everything uh, uh fill us in a little bit about where that program is yeah so it's uh, you know continues to grow uh you know we we've seen growth every every year uh there's 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 approximately this year was you know right around nine million acres posted electronically the to me the most important stat that is really important important to point out is that uh, landowners that are signing up electronically posting their property uh, of course by law they don't have to put a phone number on that but there is an option to do that and this year 58 percent of those individuals did put a phone number on there which hunters really really appreciate and you know if you can have that connectivity there um, you know if somebody's willing to put their phone number out there uh, that generally means that they're probably at least willing to give you, a, you know, at least willing to visit with you and might not work out for that particular weekend. But, you know, who knows, it might be another weekend. So, again, just increasing the communication between those two parties is key. And, um, you know, lots of opportunities to continue to make electronic posting better. And I think there's ways that we can continue to do that. But, you know, so far, I think everybody's been fairly comfortable with the, with the electronic posting system. Bottom line, it comes back to landowner relations. Get out there and and be a good steward of the land. The landowner is um, the farmer, the rancher, very good stewards of the land. Um, As a hunter, being able to utilize those opportunities, be very grateful for that as well. Um, But the phone number piece is, I, I, I find that the best part because I was a little sad when phone numbers didn't have to be on the posted signs anymore. It made it a little harder to keep up some of those relationships or build those relationships, but that's really the key to hunting opportunities here in North Dakota. Well, it is, and it's... it. it, it you know, again, a person has some options in North Dakota. I mean, we there are there is some public land in North Dakota, whether it be true public land or whether it be our plots program or private land open to sportsmen. Um, but, you know, the majority of the landscape in North Dakota is privately owned. And if a person is going to have the hunting experience and opportunities in North Dakota, um, you're going to need to form those relationships with private private landowners to, to really expand that base. That's that's the majority of the, of the of the land in North Dakota. And those hunting opportunities really starts with the kids. So take a kid hit hunting, take a kid fishing, uh, but that starts with hunter education classes, and you guys are always looking for instructors. We are, yeah, and and anytime if there's somebody interested in becoming a hunter ed instructor, really encourage them to to contact us and talk to them. It's a a mentor program as well to where they can, you know, learn under an existing hunter ed instructor and become comfortable with with the instruction part and the class, all those types of things, and just a very rewarding program, you know, for those individuals that, uh, you know, like to volunteer and like to volunteer with something they feel very passionate about, and that's of course instructing our our future hunters about uh, about the right and wrong ways of of going about your business. And this is really the time of the year where you need to be thinking about that. Uh, whether you you've got a, a youngster that's getting into hunting, um, what are the criteria? You have to be twelve years old, uh, correct? And, and then um, y- you really you got to get the kids into those classes because those classes sometimes are a little bit full. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's a couple key things on that is that, you know, there, there are opportunities for people to sign up for our text alerts when classes become available because they do fill up fast. Um, but this is the time of year when you need to be looking into that. And so if your child is turning, 
is turning 12 during the calendar year, they are eligible then, you know, for a class. So if they're 11 right now, but are, you know, turning in November, turning 12 in November, they can get into a class, you know, right now. And so uh, be looking for that if, you're, if your child does need hunter education and, and you want to get them through that. Now is the time to start looking. We have all of our courses offered on, on, on our website uh, on, under online classes and, and uh, opportunities there. But then you can also get some text alerts to become aware of the, of the classes. And then as far as instructors, uh, same thing, just go on the North Dakota Game and Fish website? Absolutely. There'll be a contact spot if you're interested in becoming a, a Game and Fish Department volunteer instructor. And we'll walk you through that process. And if you haven't downloaded the the app for the North Dakota Game and Fish do that. How do people get all that information? Yeah, all, all on our website. Our app is, we're, we have about 40,000 people that have signed up on our app now within, you know, about six, seven months. So we think that's a good good, good data point. And quickly, the website? NDGF.gov. NDGF.gov. Yeah. Uh, Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You've got questions? The tax man has answers. I'm Daria Albinger with today's tax tip. Between the W-2s, the bank statements, the letters from the charities, and, and where did I put that? Fill in the blank. You may be at loose ends right about now. So take a breath, log on to your computer, and go to the Internal Revenue Service website, irs.gov, or download the app, irs to go Planning ahead for filing return yourself, then it has a lot of good information. It can help you, particularly if you're planning to file electronically, which we always would encourage you to do. IRS spokesman Eric Smith says take a few minutes now and save yourself considerable time once you begin to complete that return. Choose direct deposit if you're getting a refund. Choose to pay your taxes electronically. You'll get peace of mind that your payments are received and processed. So that's always a good option. So IRS.gov, always a good resource. With today's tax tip, Daria Albinger, ABC News. The Ramsey Show. Up to 50% of American families are paying their adult children's bills to an average of $1,482 a month. Wow. I've never seen it like this. 25% of millennials, their parents are paying their housing, house payment, their rent, or they're living in their basement. You pay your kids' bills. Psychologists call that enabling. As a matter of fact, enabling is quite the opposite of loving. Practical financial advice from Dave Ramsey, starting at 5 p.m. weekdays on Super Talk 1270. Talk of the town. Weekday morning starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.